Welcome to The Rewatchables. We're brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor for the Bill Simmons podcast, as well as the easiest way to shop for the best tickets, thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. This is a podcast that Chris Ryan and I did for the Sports Movie Hall of Fame. It's a Sports Movie Hall of Famer, no question, Jerry Maguire, but also it's it's a Rewatchables Hall of Famer too. When we did the voting, we were surprised by how many uh, how many votes Jerry Maguire got by our crack staff. So this is the first Sports Movie Hall of Famer that we did that also cracks. The Rewatchable Hall of Fame, we have thrown that into this Rewatchables feed that we are relaunching. So here we go. Me and Chris Ryan talking about Jerry Maguire. So this is the world, and there are almost six billion people on it. When I was a kid, there were three. It's hard to keep up. There, that's better. That's America. See, America still sets the tone for the world. We are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Jerry Maguire, and we thought there's a clear line in the sand between everything that happened before 1996 and everything after. And this was the first sports movie of its, of its kind that wasn't just the traditional Rocky script. Yeah. I mean, we saw there are other ones that weren't exactly the traditional Rocky script. This is like a movie that is set in sports, but isn't a sports movie. Yeah. You don't get, you get some movies like Slapshot and the years before that, you know, the decades before that, that are about lesser less popular sports or the things outside of sports, but nothing like this where you get into the minutia of how the sports business works like this, right? Yeah. And it's, I, I made a case. We did a big thing on Grantland two years ago about sports. Uh, I wrote a piece, we did a sport, what was it a rom-com week? Yeah. And I did a whole piece about sports movie or rom-com and Jerry Maguire to me, it's probably a rom-com if you had to put if you had to, it's it's definitely classify. two different movies. Like when you rewatch it now, it, it, there's there's some overlap between the two storylines, but it's really a romantic comedy, a romance movie, and then there's just like all this sports stuff like that bookends it. But the sports stuff is so great that's what makes it feel it's like phenomenal. a sports movie, and that's why we're sneaking into the sports movie all fan. But really, it's it's probably closer to a rom com. And if you if you made the exact same movie and you said it. Same thing with an agency, only instead of a wide receiver, Rod Tidwell was a rapper mm -hmm. or an actor. Yeah. It's probably the same movie. Yes. I don't know how, how different it would have been. The sports didn't affect what the start But it still plays by is. sports movie rules. There's still a, a fall from grace and there is still a big play at the end that changes everything. And a chill scene. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that really separates it over everything else for me is the Rod Tidwell character. Yeah. Which I still think is arguably, it's on the short, short, short list of the all-time great sports movie characters, which is an interesting list in itself, right? Yeah, like, for sure. I think Apollo Creed is up there. Apollo Creed is basically a Muhammad Ali ripoff, you know? Yeah. It's like unabashedly trying to be Muhammad Ali. But at the same time, a really good character and, and complex and was a villain, but you didn't, he wasn't a bad person. Right. Um, but I think he would be up there for me. I think that, I think Newman and Slapshot. Yes. Paul Crew in The Longest Yard, played by Burt Reynolds, going way back. I still like Crash Davis a lot. Crash Davis was fantastic. Uh, Roy McAvoy. Yeah. All the, like a lot of the Costner protagonists. I think a lot of the times what you look for in a sports character like that is somebody where they're doing a lot with, with what they have, right? So Cuba Gooding Jr. does that, that. There's a version of this movie 
where none of the stuff in the shower, none of the stuff on the airplane, right. none of the stuff that makes this takes this movie to another level often happens. It's just like a straight performance and then get out of Tom Cruise's way. But you're looking at a guy going head to head with one of the most charismatic movie stars of the last 30 years yeah. over and over again in that movie. And and sometimes that kind of like face off and that kind of um, that heavyweight fight that happens in a movie. You're like, this is kind of distracting. Guys are kind of chewing scenery a little bit. But in that movie, it just it just electrifies the whole film. It's such a great character. In fact, I, I think I've written about this before. I don't know why they didn't spin off either Jerry Maguire as a TV series or spin off Rod Tidwell. Yeah. As just the Tidwells, I think would have been a great show. I don't Tidwells. know. You could have gone like the WV version of the of the Tidwells. You could have gone Netflix. You could have also had a Netflix show, The Rise and Fall of Bob Sugar. Just, oh, that's true. <laughs> Bob Sugar's in jail now. Yeah. I mean, basically, we had that with who was there? Lee Steinberg was the one he was based on. McGuire. Oh was, yeah. They followed Lee Steinberg around, and then Lee Steinberg ended up having all these personal problems. But Tidwell, there's so many reasons I love him as a character. Uh, He's just so different than anybody who had been in a movie up to that point. They had, the sports movies were basically mostly white heroes and and diving into white athlete characters. And it just never, there was not really a lot of Rod Tidwells. My favorite thing about the Tidwell McGuire stuff too, is that uh, it, it's at once it's these two great characters, but then there's also this like amazing dialogue about the difference between playing sports and watching sports. Do you know what I mean? Like all this stuff about, you know, you have to show people that you love the game and try and get in touch with that person you were when you were a kid and turn down that attitude. What's called the Quan? Yeah, well, there's the Quan, but he's like, I'm an athlete. I'm not an entertainer. You know, like all that stuff was stuff that we were all talking about in the late 90s and the early 2000s, especially, you know, around like as sports radio really started to blow up and everybody starts to have a voice. And then people really start voicing the like, that's really kind of like the hot takes kind of come out of that era of like after Iverson of people being like you're not playing the right way you know i don't like the way this guy like does this or that and i'm sure it happened before then but this was like almost like a right at the cusp of that and it was really articulated a lot of the stuff that you think like a lot of older guys were feeling about younger athletes were like oh he doesn't respect the game he doesn't do this and right the hip-hop culture yeah, climbing course, into that yeah, too yeah. and the whole thing tidwell had he had a great the wife character is great played by regina king oh, she's great yeah got the resentful brother I forget what his name is. It's like yeah. C- CJ, whatever. But that guy's guy. I think that was played by Ari Spears, the yeah. guy from Mad Mad TV. Yeah, yeah. But that's a good character too. He's on his side, but at the same time, he's resentful. He's lobbing shots. She attacks him at one point, and uh, I don't know. It's just good. So we can talk a lot about what Cameron Crowe wound up doing after this. But when you, if you, anybody's ever like, why, why did Cameron Crowe have such a hallowed reputation in terms of like also, especially being a screenwriter? The the amount that he's able to do with these like really, really small characters. Bob Sugar's in the movie for like eight minutes. The, yeah. Tidwell's brother has got like three scenes. And Kelly you just Preston's know got four. You know exactly who that person is. He does such a great job of like Kelly Preston is a perfect example where it's like you're like, oh man, I know this person. Even though she's only in the movie for three scenes, I know exactly what I'm dealing with here. Best looking blonde from the eighties in movies. Never really found the right role. Wow, kind of drifted. Quite through. a shout for you to say that. Really? Oh, to me, it's like Larry Bird, David Letterman, Kelly Preston, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Kelly Preston was so far. If if we did stats for just just bringing it to the table from a look standpoint in different eras, her war would be so high in the mid eighties. <laughs> look who she's competing against. <laughs> she's destroying everybody. Yeah. And never really found the right movie, and then got Travolta and disappeared. 
and was so good and and so good looking and sexy in this movie that it launched a second career for her. Yeah. Like she ended up getting for love of the game and all these other things. But uh, I'm with you on Crow. And I think this movie and and uh, singles or say anything almost famous. Yeah. Say anything in singles kind of laid the groundwork for it. But this movie and then almost famous four years later, his ability to take little characters who weren't in the movie for that long and give them moments. Yeah. And make that and distinguish them in some way when they really shouldn't be that distinguishable. Yeah, I mean, we talk, a really special we talk all, all the time about runs and the, the 89 to 2000 run for Crow, which is say anything, yeah. Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. And then and then Vanilla Sky comes along. And- so we're going to save the, the the love story part of this for when Juliet Littman joins us. But uh, So I wrote down some notes that I thought were really fascinating about this movie. I have 11 peaks. 11 people peaked. Really? In this movie. 11? I think this is Pete Crow. Okay. It's one. Almost famous. I almost, that's his life story. I think it's a little bit easier to write your life story and to take all the pieces of your life and put them in a movie. This one, it's like, this is all just starts from scratch. He's creating something. He had an idea for an agent and just writes the shit out of it. I think this is Pete Cruz. I got to say, I think this is Cruz's best movie. This is the entire Cruz experience wrapped into a movie. The scene just an unbelievable scene after show me the money in the agency when he's like, all right, who's with me? Man, it is he's like, really- I bet you're asking me to freak out. <laughs> just he's that five minutes is amazing. No other actor could be Cruz. I think this is the peak Cruz era. I think if you go, you saying few good men is peak Cruz. Well, 88, 89, that's brain man born on the 4th of July. So he's still, early still coming in, right? Few good men, 92 firm, 93, Interview with a Vampire, 94, 94. Mission Impossible, I think he's amazing in, in 96. Maguire, 96. Can we call 96 the Pete Cruz year? That's Mission Impossible it's and Jerry Maguire year. in the same year. Yeah, it's his career year. Yeah. So Pete Cruz, Pete Kelly Preston, Pete Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Pete Cuba Gooding, obviously. <laughs> Pete, Pete Lip Nicky. <laughs> I don't think fair, J-Lip's ever been yeah. better. <laughs> Pete Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Pete J. Moore? Probably. Yeah. After this movie, what's people this, thought Jay Didn't you do a, a show star. about an agent after this that was on Fox that was yeah. kind of like, what was it called? I can't remember that was called. Pete Glenn Fry. I was going to ask over you about Eagles. this. I'm so glad I have you- it over the Eagles. Okay, so Pete. Pete movie star Glenn Fry. Okay, so yeah. you like this better than Miami Vice? Than him oh, and Miami that's Vice. that's tough. All right, I'm going to cross that off. He was better than Miami Vice. Pete Roy Firestone. Yeah, yeah. Really like that. This is the end of the road for Roy Firestone. I think that this interviewing Cuba Gooding as Rod Tidwell was never the same for up close. Is it Pete O'Connell? Pete O'Connell. More than Stand By Me? Yeah. Okay. Jerry O'Connell didn't want to be the fat kid in Stand By Me. No, he, he wanted, wanted to be, be the Kush. Kush Yeah. And then finally, Peak Springsteen soundtrack. I have this over Philadelphia. Yes. The Secret Bigger Garden song. scene. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the Philadelphia... Tom Hanks coming out of the lawyer's office. Nobody will take his case. The beard. He's yeah. just hit rock bottom when the Springsteen song comes in. It's pretty great. And that was a, a string. Of, there was a couple of videos in, the, in that era that they were doing this with where Springsteen sings the song live in the video. So that's just that one tracking shot of him walking in Philadelphia yeah. and singing the song. Yeah. Uh, so that's 11 peaks, unless you say 10, that Glenn Frey's peak Fry's peak was in my advice. That's a lot of peaks. Yeah, for I'm not going to let you have Glenn Fry. Okay, don't let me have Glenn Fry. So Cruz does not win the Oscar for this movie. Right. He loses to Jeffrey Rush and Shine. Right. I would say this was his best chance to win the Oscar. Easily. I think and it doesn't seem like he's more, interested in trying anymore. 
and, no. and getting an Oscar. No, is. it's this was it. This was his Jeffrey Rush and Shine. Shine's not on cable anymore. Most I don't people even, would say that he probably like the his best chance at do at winning would be born on the Fourth of July. Uh, I think you could make an argument that he should have been in the conversation for. Um, I still felt like t- Born on the Fourth of July is Tom Cruise in a wheelchair. Yeah, but that's but you wouldn't ask. I don't for feel stuff like, like anybody. I'm not saying it's a great performance. I mean, I think he was better in Magnolia. I think he's incredible. He's great in Magnolia. Should have won a Magnolia. Yeah. And then but, if you could, men, it's like movie star Cruise out of control. Yeah, it's. I have the same rule for this as I do with the NBA MVP. Like, who else is in this movie where it's this good? Yeah, right. Who'd name anybody from the last 25 years who could have played Jerry Maguire? And brought all the layers to it and just, and you watch like the first 15 minutes, right? He's at the top of his, top of the mountain. He's in first class talking to this hot blonde lady about how he got engaged, right. but secretly kind of hitting on and her. She's, the, she's producing the Coke commercials for the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. He's well-dressed. He's just on top of the world. He can be that cruise, but then he can also be the I've hit rock bottom cruise. So that's what I want to talk I'm to you about. I'm running through the airport cruise. Do you buy rock bottom cruise? Do you buy cruise yeah, like when he's seeing there, sitting there and he's like, do you see this jacket? I don't need to wear it because I'm cloaked in failure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Does he? But like when I'm watching Tom Cruise do that, yeah. it's like, you know that it's not real. Like, it's just it's like it's so he's pushing so hard. It's like when Kobe would pass. You know what I mean? It was like, it's just I like, against I like his better failure. Tom Cruise. I love I disagree. it. So do you, can I ask you another question? I, Cause I think Tom Cruise secretly has a lot of demons and it allows him to. Do you think Tom Cruise has ever been drunk? Well, obviously not, as we saw from <laughs> Few Good Men. And this movie. And he this basically movie. just does Nicholson when he gets drunk. Yeah. It's true. You and I would play a better drunk than Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think so. He's, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I have Tom Cruise. Vampire was the last one. So he did Firm. He did The Firm in 93 mm-hmm. and Few Good Men in 92. Then did this weird vampire turn and was gone for three years, but it was a long three years. It yeah. felt like a while. He was the biggest star in the world. And then came back just big time with McGuire, which is a little bit like what Brad Pitt did in Moneyball, where you yeah. just have, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be a movie star in this movie. Do you think Brad Pitt could have played Jerry Maguire? Uh, I mean, not it's a at that totally time. different movie. It's, but it's a totally different movie. I'm trying to think of like who, how much slicker could Costner have played Jerry Maguire? No, because I think Costner's too wholesome. Ultimately, yeah, it's like I, there's not a, like Downey Junior. Junior could have done it, and That's Downey Junior would have been really good Jerry Maguire. But it, the turn, he would have been too good at the first twenty minutes of the movie and not good enough at the end. So, like if you see Downey Junior movies that require him to actually be yeah a wholesome, like the Judge, yeah, like but the even judge. that he was dark. Right, he's a little bit dark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think Tate Frazier could have played Jerry Maguire? I'm not sure. I think Jerry Tate, Tate Frazier could play Kush. Kush like, Lash, totally. I, I mean, you would have been a great Kush. Kush. Yeah. Kush was another one. Great character. Yeah. Really Perfect. good. I'm so tired of myself. I got Kush Lash. Let's <laughs> <laughs> play Kush Lash. My, there's a oh, couple. Of, peak, peak late career Bo Bridges. That's oh, another that's good peak. Bo Bridges. My oh, word is oak. My favorite part about like that opening 20 minutes, especially the, the opening montage when they're showing all the athletes that he's, that he's like, you know, this is the 16 year old. Yeah. The 13 year old kid. In Indiana, who's scores a hundred points, and he's like, "This is the best point guard in the country." And they show him on a outdoor playground with nobody there, playing basketball in jeans. Right. It was like a real like Cameron Crowe's like heat check about how much he knows about <laughs> <Right>. sports. <laughs> it was like somebody could have just been like, "Hey, Cameron, we we got to throw this kid in shorts oh, or track pants or something." There's some other mistakes Cameron Crowe made in this movie, which we're gonna get to. 
the concussion protocol with yes. Rod Tidwell. Yes. Which didn't exist at the time. <laughs> I was waiting for this. But uh, I have it written down it, somewhere. It bookends the movie because it starts, the movie starts with the hockey player with the concussion and the kid being like, this is his fourth concussion. So somebody asked me, I had a mailbag question a while ago from Lyle Morgan way back in the day when I did mailbags. By the way, if you want to send me a mailbag question, the mailbag at the ringer.com. We can answer them or is it just, is it just like, I'm going to start doing mailbags. Like your Santa Claus. 2017, the the mailbags coming back. Okay. So the sequel to Jerry Maguire, Cameron Crowe, this would be a great career comeback for him is Rod Tidwell with dementia from concussions. (laughs) That's not a great one. Fighting the NFL. It's now a drama. Jerry Maguire kind of left, let him go because he'd been acting so radically, lost his family. Because concussion lit they up bring the box back. office. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Great point. Maybe it's a Netflix <laughs> series. But where do you think Rod Tidwell is now? Because my answer when I answered this question a while ago was that he was divorced, bankrupt, living with his loser brother, and ducking an outside. Oh, I think he's on Sunday Countdown. What are you talking about? He's Rod next Tidwell? to Dilfer. They're talking so thermostats and thermometers. <laughs> They're talking no, I, about. I think he, I think he's on outside the lines or real sports talking about oh, how man. the Cardinals never. Where, did we ever find out where Tidwell him. went to? Oh, he he's from Arizona, right? He's a local boy, so he's like a Sun Devil or something. Right. Okay, I was hoping that he had gone to like the U. Here's a Kush question for you. Okay, the deal breaker for Jerry Maguire keeping Kush was that he had a deal for San Diego to get the number one overall pick. Right. And Bo Bridges, Kush's dad. Wants Denver. What really wanted Denver. Right. So, so this, this is, is, they were filming this, this movie comes out in 96. So this is the 96 draft, right. April 96, leading into the 96 season. John Elway is still in his post-career prime for the Broncos. And yet for the Chargers, you had Stan Humphreys, whose career was falling apart. Right. Why would you want your son to play for the Broncos and and be John Elway's backup for three years? I continue to think Kush's dad was some terrible judgments by him. There's definitely shades of Marinovich's dad there in some ways. You think, did he think he was going to like take John Elway's job? But because I can tell you right now, he wasn't. What didn't Elway himself like demand to be to go to Denver? Was it when he, he got did? Drafted? But but at the timing of this movie, John Elway. Going into the 96, 97, 98 seasons, they won two of those three Super Bowls. Kush, you're not playing in Denver. I will also give... Does the camera wasn't quote, this part of the 20-year run where the Arizona Cardinals were like the worst team in football? So yes. why would he be like, you got to stay in Arizona? Right. He, I would be like, you got to get this guy on the Cowboys. Like, What, is, what, are, you, what are you talking about here? Oh, the Rod Tidwell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're begging Glenn Fry to resign him for... Also, was it was... I know inflation, but that doesn't... Well, the deal he asks for in the beginning is not that much. Four years, 10 million? Right. So this is another question I got way back when that I'm going to redo here. So he's walking Tidwell across in the, in the draft, mm-hmm. the 96 draft. And he's, and he's bragging about how Tidwell had 1,550 yards and 110 catches yeah. in 95. So That's the like, question is, why wasn't this guy like one of the giant receivers in the league? He does, he does not mention how many touchdowns he had. Okay. So he might've just had four touchdowns. So- I looked up. I can't remember. Is it that he does or doesn't go over the middle? He, he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to go over the middle, which doesn't make sense if he has 110 he's catches. Also I don't short. know where those catches he's are coming short, from. So he should be a he's slot short. receiver. He's a slot receiver. Yeah. He's like, you don't like go over the middle, yeah. but you got 110 catches. This is 110 <laughs> outs yeah. that he was running. So the, the Jerry Rice led in 95 was the big wide receiver boom, which is kind of ironic because Crow had been working on this movie for years. Right. Jerry Rice, 1,848 yards, 15 TDs, 122 catches. 
Isaac Bruce, Herman Moore, Michael Irvin, all over. They also mentioned yards. Andre Reed and Chris Carter in the movie. So they, it's Andre definitely Reed happening. is out by then. Yeah. So but they he wrote mentions he's like Andre Reed gets paid this much, and he's like those guys are marquee guys. Right. So then Robert Brooks, Brett Perriman, Chris Carter, Tim Brown, Carl Pickens are the rest of your top nine. All of them have between 13 and 17 catches and between 1,500 and 1,200 yards. Tidwell, 1,550 yards, 110 catches, puts him right between Michael Irvin and Robert Brooks, yeah. fifth place for that year. Yeah. So the question is, why didn't this guy hey, get a contract? A guy. I think Jerry Maguire might have been a terrible agent. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's the fifth best receiver in the league. Come on, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> he's got this house. He, he's got a waterbed deal. That's his only commercial. He's doing water beds. Yeah. And he's got a house that has ants. And he's got seven <laughs> people in his house. Can't get a mansion. <laughs> Terrible. Lipnicki. This is also Clinton era economics. So you definitely would have been able to get a yeah. better house than that. Lipnicki. Hit me with it. Oh, I forgot another peak. I didn't mention it only because it wasn't a peak because they never peaked. But it's peak Michaels, Deardorff, and Gifford. <laughs> As a threesome. When the highlight like, of that well, threesome was this movie. see some movement from Tidwell here. It's like the guy might be dead. Gifford looking concerned. Yeah. They, not a lot of highlights for those three, but this was way up there. All right. So. You know who it's also peak? Wayne Fonts. Oh, good Wayne Fonts. Yeah. yeah. In the lobby. He's nice like, Wayne hey, Fonts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lip Nicky. Phenomenal. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. Like my kids, we watch Jerry Maguire on AMC, which I allow AMC because like the Kelly Preston sex scene, for instance, got cut. Right. But uh they just love every time Lip Nicky's in the movie, they're just on pins and needles waiting for the next. So you Human think that kid has as big of a role in the script, or do you think they get Lip Nicky and they're like, We gotta write a Yeah, they're ad libbing. They they're like, like they're in as the much Lip Nicky as we can stand. Let's yeah, get they're in, in the there. airport with Lip Nicky and yeah. they're like, and he probably just climbs on the conveyor belt himself and starts going in the circle. Yeah, he's like the name of the Oh my god, movie. we fit we've we hit jackpot here. Yeah. So at the end though, here here's yet another Cameron Crow sports flaw. I don't mean to pick on Cameron Crow because this is a great movie. But they Lip Nicky at the end, he gets the ball, the ball rolls over to him after everybody's happy yeah. they're in the park. And he's like, hey, kid, throw it. And he throws it like his, it's 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 like he's having a seizure. He doesn't throw it. It's like his whole body convulses. His arm that. is 100% straight. And yeah. he like slings it like yeah. he's in the Olympics. And Maguire's like, whoa. Might have to, it's like the inference is like, whoa, what an athlete. We might have to say this kid is like, no, you don't, right? But it's the worst throw ever. But then I realized like Tom Cruise thought it was a good throw because we saw him throw in War of the Worlds 10 years yeah. later. He doesn't know how anyone throws a ball. Yeah. Like he probably did think that was a good. He was throw. probably like great throw. Yeah, great and also throw. you did it. Lip. I would allow that maybe Lip Nicky is doing because you ever see those the sixty minutes about the guy in Texas who teaches like pitchers who have suffered Tommy John surgeries how to throw and they like do like that weird shot put. So right. maybe Lip Nicky was just ahead of the curve on like biomechanics and stuff like that. You know, I, I just Joe don't Madden. think so. No, okay. Have you seen Lip Nicky now? <laughs> I have. I have seen some, some good pictures of him on the internet. Like he's very ripped. <laughs> he like does MMA and stuff. He's ripped. Couple, uh, he took a couple too too many jokes. Can I say that I'm a little suspicious of late in life MMA adoption as ho- as like a hobby? Yeah, it does seem like something something a little strange. Uh, I, there's a lot. I know some people who are just like all of a sudden and they're just like, you know, I'm really into Muay Thai, and you're just like, where? What's this about? It's like getting. It's like the a different version of getting a convertible. Yeah, like a fantasy got yeah. into MMA like next yeah. year. That yeah, would I would be like, like we gotta on? talk to fantasy. Why is it, why does fantasy have a black eye? Yeah, and all these new tattoos. Jerry hugging the kid, mm-hmm. Lip Nicky. 
goes back to little Cameron Crowe thing. Cameron Crowe writes these moments in these movies. And there's that moment when Jerry comes over for the date and he's like, Oh, right. All right, Ray, I'll see you later. And he leans down and gives him the hug and he cuts to Renee Zellweger for her Oscar moment where she's like trying not to cry and keep it together. And the Springsteen music comes yeah. in. It's a good scene. There's like, a lot. There's a lot of those like just good scenes like that. It, a ton of crying in this movie. A oh, ton yeah. of almost crying. A lot yeah. of Tom Cruise on the verge of tears. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise on the verge of tears in the hallway outside the locker room after the last Cardinals game. Yeah. When they're pointing at each other, you know, and he's just like, they're like, I still don't understand why he caught a pass for a touchdown, celebrated. But why are they celebrating like he just won the Super Bowl? Because they know he's going to get his contract next. It's a good question. Uh, I think they beat the Cowboys to get in the playoffs. Like if Devontae Adams converted a third down, got a touchdown, and they won a regular, like the well, Packers. Well, a great like, catch, though. Like, sure, he, it was he jumped awesome. up, he did, spun. He, he did. It was they a great catch. thought he was paralyzed. But it's like on SportsCenter, if they were like, and now this wide receiver is hugging his agent in the hallway. Wouldn't you just be like, why am I watching this? They make it seem like it's like the moon landing, you know? Yeah, it is a movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm just poking holes, <laughs> just asking questions. But uh, how many so how many different celebration penalties would Rat to Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been. I think they actually lose the game yeah. because they're penalized seventy five yards. Yeah, you guys have to kick off from your locker room because yeah. that's how many <laughs> first he does he does like, a whole dance. That's yeah. fifteen yards. I, he does something with the ball. He does so a Lambo then he jumps, leap that's yeah, like 30 feet leap. up in the air. Yeah. yeah he's like hanging off, of, off of the, the lower tier. Yeah. And had a concussion the whole time. I know. Well, that explains all of it. They now just, he's in the concussion protocol. And if he celebrated, they're kicking off from the locker room. I agree. Not peak Regina King. Yeah. Do you think she's been better and other stuff, but she she's great in that do, movie. Yeah. What do you think peak Jan Wenner? I like the almost famous Jan Wenner. Okay. Wasn't he, didn't he have lines in Perfect? John Travolta and Jamie yeah, Lee Curtis. He's not, but he's he doesn't get any lines in this, does he? He's just like seen in the in the meeting that they do. It's the same thing. He's either reading a paper or he's like nodding his head yeah. disgustedly. You had me at hello and show me the money. This movie, now nah, it's been 20 years. Like Liz, uh, who works for us at yeah. The Ringer, who's I think 23 years old, has not seen Jerry Maguire. And does she have any, like, she, has she heard any mythology about, about it? it. No, she wasn't it's, it's hard to explain to anybody who kind of wasn't around in the moment. Like, you had me at, the, at hello and show me the money were like iconic lines. Oh, yeah. This is the thing is that, like, iconic. I, I show was, me the money was like iconic for five years. Well, I was thinking about this just the other day where uh, even with the best movies of the year, there's like one or two that none of them have like iconic lines. I was thinking about what's the last, True. like, very quotable movie that we've had most of it is like thrown to television now when moonlight you think about had like, one moon, moonlight did have one yes but yeah. what i'm saying like when no, you, moonlight didn't have one I, I wanted to see if you you were played dumb on that oh i think you said moonlighting oh like, moonlight d- oh moonlight no i haven't moonlight seen moonlight yet no oh, all right yeah yeah moonlight doesn't have a lot of oh, i think you were talking on. about like i was like yeah i guess moonlighting. bruce willis and civil <laughs> shepherd had some great lines um <laughs> Moonlight, I'm sure, has them, but like no, when you think about like what are the things that you say to each other, like in common conversation, it's all like Mad Men, right? It's it's like yeah, it's like that's what the money is for and stuff like that. But you don't, it's the movies don't have those anymore because the set pieces are really what we. The like, show me the money scene's incredible. I can't tell you how much my kids loved it. Yeah, it's 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 for all ages. And it, it's and all they, ages enjoyment. There's the whole thing with the, great with the Quan. And then Ty was like, "I love black people." Yeah, I have like, black that whole people. scene is so funny. Yeah, it's so good. Him and me, I 
want to stay in Arizona. I want my new contract. But I like you. Yes, I like you, Jerry. My wife likes you. You're good to my wife. I will stay with you. That's, that's great. I'm very happy. Are you listening? Yes. That's what I'm going to do for you. God bless you, Jerry. But this is what you're going to do for me. You listen? Jerry? Yeah, what, what, what can I do for you, Rod? You just tell me what can I do for you. It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. Show you the money. Oh, no, no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it with you with me, then, brother. Hey, I got Bob Sugar on the other line. I better hear you say it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Show you the money. Not, not show you. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Show me the money. That's it, brother. But you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. And then you had me at hello, which I forgot until I rewatched the movie. It actually starts when they're riding in the elevator after Dorothy Boyd's the only one who goes with them. And they're in the elevator going down. Yeah. And there's somebody signs, there's a couple in there and they kiss and they sign whatever. And that's where I think you had me at hello comes from. I thought it was you complete me. Oh, you complete me. That's yeah. what it is. Which is crazy. It's you complete me in any other movie would be the biggest there. line. It leads and to you had me at hello. hello. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. You complete me at me at hello. Yeah. The whole thing. We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You And I just had shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. All right, this is the most important thing we're going to talk about the whole movie. Tidwell's breakout game is on Monday Night Football. I love this. I love when you get you get like crazy Snopes about this. Let's do it. Monday Night Football started at nine o'clock Eastern time. Uh-huh. Mountain time we're in Arizona, so that's seven o'clock. Okay. Who are they playing? I forget. They're Arizona, Dallas. There's commercials. Game's going to end around 10, 15. Post-game interviews. So Tidwell's got to go back. He's got to change. Yeah. He's doing, there's a huddle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say there's another 45 minutes for that. Jerry and Tidwell, they do the they do the thing. They hug. Why don't you do that with me? The whole, the whole thing. And then he he realizes, I have to go tell Dorothy Boyd that I love her. In so Los Angeles. It's now 11... It's now 11 o'clock mountain time, Yeah, 10 o'clock Los Angeles time. 
He sprints out of the football stadium under the rule that all Tom Cruise movies has to have. Now, one let me scene ask where you a question: Doesn't isn't Arizona's football stadium notoriously far away from the airport? So I don't, I I don't think this was Glendale. I think okay. this was when they played in Phoenix. Okay. But I've been to Phoenix a bunch of times, and that airport is not like right there. So I, he sprints out to the stadium under the Tom Cruise sprinting rule, drives to the airport, purchases a ticket. Yeah, didn't have one already. Pre nine eleven, didn't have to check a bet. Could have brought a gun on the plane. Nobody would have cared. I have him, I have that flight being about 12.45 a.m. Okay. Mountain time, which would be 11.45 West Coast time. I think 11.45 is generous. It's a 150-minute flight, but you gain a time zone. Best case scenario, Jerry lands at 1.15 in the morning. At at LAX. LAX. At LAX at 1.15 in the morning. Where does Dorothy live? Do we know? Palisades? No, I would say, I would say she probably lives in like West Hollywood, okay. maybe something, or maybe Culver City. Okay, let's go. Let's go with Culver. Lands at LAX. You got to get to your car. That takes twenty minutes. Okay, or unless you took a cab. Let's say he took a cab. Let's say he just runs out. He's in a Ran, cab, and, and we'll the cab that, is like, I know exactly where you're going because no the, GPS, so they have to know where you're going. The earliest a twenty five minute cab ride. The earliest he gets at that house is one forty five in the morning. And somehow there's still a divorced woman's group going. <laughs> Everybody's awake. Everybody's awake. It's like, hey, guys have anywhere to go? It's 145. No, no, no. Yeah, I let's want keep to talk about out. my ex-husband. Let's I keep have one out. more story. Yeah. Can you make some more coffee? It's 145 it's in the morning. Insane. Walks in, there's nine divorced women. Yeah. Was I think Lipnicki is asleep. And they don't seem like they're not partying. It's they're not just tired. Like, Nobody's asleep. Out. There's not one person asleep in the thing. It is a, it's a problem. Yeah. It's really a problem. I don't know how they didn't figure that out. Also, I'm sort of surprised that they don't, I mean, I know that you need to have the divorce, the the book club there, but you could have the, they could have done it at dawn. You know what I mean? If they push it, you get the magic hour of the dawn, the sun coming up over the Pacific coast. Just a thought. Just a thought. Well, they were how about this? It. Do a four o'clock game when they make the concussion version of this with the Tidwells. I hope that they <laughs> they, they, they do have a more accurate time representation. But just do a four o'clock, four o'clock p.m. Right, the late Sunday. Whatever. Game. Yeah, yeah. The national game on Sunday. Yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. Breathe, breathe, Jerry. I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It is an up-at-dawn, pride-swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? God, help me. Help me, Rod. Help me help you. Help me help you. Help me help you. Here's our next topic. Is this the best Tom Cruise movie? No. Okay. No. What do you have? I I have How would a, few, you rank a few good them? men higher. I will. I think so I do too. My favorite Tom Cruise movie is a little bit controversial. Is Color of Money? Really? Yeah. It's my wow. Not because of his performance Amazing. per se, but it is my the movie of his that he is in that I have watched the most and that I like the most. It's certainly his most charismatic performance. Yeah, from it was start to finish. Yeah, and it's just like one of my secret favorite Scorsese movies. I think Paul Newman is like. It's one of the best Paul Newman performances. I love Richard Price. He wrote the screenplay. I know it doesn't like it's not a very good sports movie because it's just it's just very murky what's yeah. happening. But it's it's just one of my favorite like movies just to have on and listen to them talking that it does want to it does something at the end that I've always hated when you have 
the climactic moment, and but only we don't. It's yeah. just over. It's like fuck you. You're not getting a climax. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'll you'll have to think the rest of your life about who won this game. And then I think I put a few good men, especially over this in terms of peak peak cruise. It's a tough one. This I, is this I is a really to admit, tough question. I it, and and it, I just. I don't. I don't know if there's a right answer. Chris I don't know Ryan. if there's a right answer or not, and I will be very interested to hear what Juliet Lemon has to say about this. But Tom Cruise as a romantic lead is not doesn't well, this, do it for me. Let's just put it that the, way. <laughs> I think it doesn't do it for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I think this is the best he's ever been as a romantic yes, lead. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. Although but, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into eyes wide shut. <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> Anytime you want to do an Eyes Wide Shut podcast. My I'm last ready. podcast? Yeah. I'm ready for the Eyes Wide Shut Ice Storm combo sure. podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's what I have. I would argue that the three Tom Cruisiest Tom Cruise movies are actually the four. If you're going to pick four, it'd be like, let's say, let's say Liz. Let's say Liz has never seen a Tom Cruise movie. Okay. And we're like, so what would you tell somebody who'd never seen like, Tom right, Cruise? Liz, Liz says I have eight hours to watch four Tom Cruise movies. Which four should I watch that would give me the best feel of the Tom Cruise experience? Okay. Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire, Top Gun, uh-huh. and Cocktail. I think that would be my four. So this is this is always gonna be generational because I don't rate cocktail as high as you. And it's I, just he's he's it's just all cruise. Yes. It's just cruise being cruise for I would two hours. Throw in either End, Edge of Tomorrow or War of the Worlds in there. Oh no, oh, come on. I think he's or, if you, you want to throw in a late Mission period, Impossible. Mission at least? Impossible, yeah. I mean, but for me it's yeah, I think it's color of money, a few good men, Jerry Maguire. And and actually, you know what I still really like, which what? plays really well, is the firm. Yeah, it's a little long. It is a little long, it's but like I still really like it. Weird soundtrack that I've just grown on the me Dave over Grusen, time. The Dave Grusin, the piano, yeah, the, the weird piano. Wilfred Brimley's chasing him with an albino. They're playing jazz. Can we talk for a second about Wilfred Brimley in the firm? And the least scary, the least scary villain of all time. Wilfred Brimley chasing anybody is is a race I want to be in. That was also Wilfred Brimley's coming after me. Jerry Maguire is 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 you know it has a couple of big people, but the firm is an example of when they're like. Uh, let's just let's just hire fifteen people to be in this movie. Like Hal Holbrook's in it, yeah. Gary Busey's in Did, it, Holly Hunter's in it, Gene Hackman's in David it, David Straight Straight Yes, yeah, just there. Yeah, whatever his name is. Yeah, they have Ed Harris is in it. That's right. Gene, ha- you forgot Gene Hackman. Yeah, one take Gene. But yeah, I think the studio was like, "This is the biggest movie we're making this year. Bunny's no object." Well, what about this role? We we're thinking Gene Hackman. The studio's like, "Fine, <laughs> just cut him a check." Isn't it funny too that like now everything is um. You're like, oh, do you hear about that new vampire saga? It's going to be the new big thing or like the new Game of Thrones. It's like John Grisham was the biggest author in the world. And it was like, what's it about? It's about a lawyer. And he finds out that his firm is doing some nasty stuff. And it's like, that's it? That's all it is? The firm was a big deal because the book came out. Was that the first one? It was, or the like, second it was one? the that book was like the Bible. It was in every hotel room. It was like you, was out, you couldn't avoid that book. It was the biggest book ever, and they immediately made a movie. Yeah. But what they didn't totally realize was that everybody had read the book. Right. So it wasn't a big twist there when they find out. Like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen. Also, in the movie. when you find out, it's like all they're doing is like the mafia's taxes. It's not like that big of a deal. They're just like, yeah, you're you're laundering money. Ooh. Great chasing though. <laughs> awesome chasing. Yeah. Really good chasing. Uh, good Gene Triplehorn. Yeah. 
Yeah. She had a nice little tiny run there and then I think got hit by a bus. I'm not sure what happened. And she popped back up on Big Love years oh, later. Yeah. That. So you would say you wouldn't put cocktail. I'm fine with cocktail, even though it's a very cruisy performance. Yeah. And actually, I think I, I I go risky business over Top Gun in terms of just, I, I love Top Gun as a movie, but I think risky business is actually, he's like less like uptight in risky business. So I was going to bring up risky business. I think it's possible that Tom Cruise was replaced after Risky Business. What do you mean? Like, like the Tom Cruise that's in Risky Business? Like the Scientology people could replace Tom Cruise. Okay. Because the Risky Business Tom Cruise has no real relation yeah, with that's still like, any other Tom Cruise that's like that came. Tom Cruise. It's like and Taps, Outsiders Tom outsiders Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. And it, it's, just, it's a much more nuanced performance. He actually seems like he's really wants to bang Rebecca DeBornay the whole movie, and there, there's a sexuality about him in he's the movie. He's older that, than Downey, or he's younger? Is Down? He's the same age, or is he older than Downey? I think they're, those are all the same group, right? Downey, so, Rob Lowe, Cruz. Yeah, it's like it's it's strange to look at how those guys all had like the separate career, and Tom Cruise just like locked in and was like, "This is who I have to be, and this is who I want to be." And Downey obviously had his demons or whatever but just goes all over the place and like you know chaplin and what do you think cruz would say his best movie is that's a great question i mean i I would wonder if he would say something weird like the last samurai or something what do you think he would say his most entertaining movie is you know you you know it would be like days of thunder that's also some very good he would probably say i have to think he would say a few good men Really? I really wish. Yeah. I mean, like, it. I can't believe Sorkin. He also is a very good Sorkin actor. Yeah. Uh, and I wish that he had done like more of them. Like, I don't know. I mean, if they had done Steve Jobs with Tom Cruise, that would have been pretty interesting. What was interesting about Sorkin was he brought out Cruise's sarcastic side. Yes. Yeah. Like, like uh, Daniel Caffey is just super duper Matthew Perry level yeah. sarcastic. The All the stuff movie. like playing the softball practice. And he's like, yeah. you know, he's like. I'm going to hang him by a yard arm and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's few good men. I almost feel like few good men is a sports movie, even though there's no sports scenes in it. Well, it, but that, that it's, it's totally rewatchable like, like a sports it's stru- movie. It's yeah. a courtroom it drama really structured like a sports movie. I still, I still can't believe the drunk scene. Oh God. I know. And it's like, he's Tom hammered Cruise, drunk. And every then he time gets Tom Cruise gets drunk, Debbie Moore. he drinks whiskey. <laughs> And yeah. he drinks whiskey in a way in which no one who's ever drunk whiskey knows. It, like, because in a few good men, he's drinking Jack Daniels out of the bottle, which is like right. what cowboys in the 1890s could do, right. but Tom Cruise could not. And I then he drives, doesn't he? I'm trying to think of one person. Doesn't he drink like life. a whole bottle of That's Jack Daniels I mean. and get into car. his Oldsmobile? He's stumbling drunk. It's yeah. raining. He's like, I'm going to go find Joe. And yeah. Kevin Park's like, oh, it's like because JT, JT Walsh kills himself, right? Yeah. And he's just like, this guy. Got in full dress. No, no, no. This guy <laughs> got a full dress. Nine millimeter in his mouth. Oh, man. Yeah, Kevin Pollock doesn't try to stop him. Yeah. He's more interested in breaking him down psychologically. I never understood. How did we get on a few good men? I'm just waiting for Juliet, so but I'm really, yeah. no, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> the, uh, What's, who's your favorite cameo, uh, slight cameo in a few good men? Is it Noel Wiley for the one scene, Kiefer Sutherland as racist sergeant? Or Kevin Bacon as prosecutor who plays pickup basketball and is in two, se- two scenes. I think Kevin Bacon's amazing in yeah. that movie. He's, you're, a, you're a lousy fucking think, softball player. <laughs> Kevin Bacon just leaving the pickup basketball game. Oh, that's amazing. Is, is the best moment in that movie. They're playing full court. He's just like, out. come on, Jack. Like, come on, Jack. He's like, hold on, I'll be right back. Yeah. Like Nobody does I gotta that. I got to go do a plea deal it's for this guy. a great way to start yeah. a fight. So Cruz, he can't drink. Yeah. Have you ever seen him smoke? 
Uh, Has no. he ever smoked a cigarette or done any kind of drugs in a movie? Does he do drugs? He doesn't do anything bad in Magnolia, right? He just is like high on his own sense memory. He doesn't smoke a cocktail. No, I think he has some sort of. Uh, Does he get drunk in risky thing. business? He gets drunk. No, he get that. He gets high in risky business. That's, okay. that's how the car ends up going, and oh. maybe that's why. Maybe that scared him. Right. Right. He doesn't drink in Color of Money. No. Totoro does coke in Color of Money, but he doesn't. Yeah. There's an 18 minute sequence of him running on YouTube yeah. in different movies. I don't know if there's a crying Tom Cruise, but I would almost rather watch that than the running as so, much as I love the running. The crying, he's a really good, I, I'm about to cry guy. To Tom Cruise in Top Gun with Meg Ryan. And she's saying, uh, he loved flying with Cruise you. He loved flying with you. And Tom Cruise is, He's, he, he does this thing, he like turns his neck and his cheeks are going in different yeah. directions and he like bulges his eyes. It's really effective. Um, it's really good. He also recently has developed, developed this need to be in uh, really tough situations with planes. So the last Mission yeah. Impossible, he hangs on outside of a plane. In The Mummy, the plane explodes while he's in it and crashes. Yeah. And obviously, Top Gun, he's got some bad he's history. He's a 9-11 yeah. truther is what's happening, yeah. I think. <laughs> Top Gun has some holes, by the way. Top Gun? Yeah. We still don't know who we're fighting against at the end. The Russians. Where? They're in MiGs. Uh, where were they? Where they, were they say it. It's in hey, guys, uh, sorry to interrupt the graduation. The Indian but Ocean? We, I think it's over the Indian Ocean. There's a conflict right now. And uh, Tom Cruise, even though you, you just almost left and you disappeared for seven the, weeks, the, the we're going to need you Top in this Gun battle. Is also, they're like in Miramar and they're like scrambled the jets. We got to get to India, which is like not a quick flight. Not a quick flight. No. Yeah, they go back. Top Gun. It's not age well. Do you like Scarrot or Ironside in Top Gun more? Scarrot. Yeah. <laughs> Scarrot's amazing. Scarrot's incredible. It's great Scarrot. Teacher Scarrot, and then he like takes over. He's like, I'm here. I'm flying with you. I, that's another Tom Cruise thing is the surrogate dad. Yeah. It's a big, Definitely. big thing in all his movies. Jerry Maguire didn't have the surrogate it's, dad. Dickie it just Fox had the is supposed Dickie to be Fox it, though. Yeah. popping up. Yeah. Who was supposed to play Dickie Fox? Uh, Billy Wilder, right? I think it was. I think it was supposed to be Billy Wilder, the, direct, the great director, screenwriter, and he so, was sort of Crow's mentor. And they were going to have scenes with him in there. So, do you give Jerry Maguire Tin Cup was the same year? Do you think it's coincidence that all of a sudden then we moved into this era of the modern sports? Movie, I think just because I think those movies were more like Bull Durham showed people that those movies were very. And when does White Man Can't Jump come out? That was the early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. I'm going to say like ninety or ninety one. Really? I thought it was like later in, when I was in high school. I was in college. 92? 92, yeah. I think that just post Bull Durham and those Ron Shelton movies, everybody sees, oh, okay. Like this is, is there's White a lot Man, of stuff to do with sports here. Is White Man Can't Jump a Hall of Fame? Does it get its own podcast? Unquestionably. Or Unquestionably. does it team it White with White Man Can't else? Jump is the most underrated. I don't think it gets talked about enough as the best sports movie. Oh, that's the hottest take you've ever it's had. It's not. It's, it's literally like there's not a single... White Man Can't Jump is a lot like Color of Money in that it ha- it, do- it does lack the thing that you want it to have because even after they win the big like, game. Like Wesley Snipes' ability to play basketball, it lacked that. He's pretty good in that movie. You don't think he's pretty good? No. Woody Harrelson's better than him. I don't think he's good. All right. I'm- Tate, you play basketball. Can we make- can Have we you do- ever seen anybody dribble like Wesley Snipes in that movie? <laughs> the, the high dribble? Like, he's terrible. What are you talking about? Tim Frazier on the Pelicans dribbles like that nah. now. <laughs> <laughs> is Juliet's mic on? All right, Juliet. Juliet Lemons here. Hey we guys. saved the last, We saved all the Re- Renee Zellweger uh, rom com stuff for you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I met, love We covered Maguire. everything else. I know okay. this is one of your favorites. We're talking about other Tom Cruise movies for about 20 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dorothy Boyd. Dorothy, yes. Where does she rank 
in the all-time great rom-com slash whatever character. We we don't we think this is a sports movie and a rom-com. We've decided. Oh yes. Where does she rank in the pantheon for you? I took me a long time to get here emotionally. Yeah. But I'm ready to say she's top five. Wow. Do okay. you have a top five that's like off the top of your head? Of the character or the actresses? Who's your favorite rom-com character ever? Um, Probably Sally when Harry met Sally. Over uh, Meg Ryan in... Um, Sandra Bullock is... Meg and Sandra, it's just like, I don't know. How Sandra can you meet what? Uh, the one with... um. While you were sleeping, yeah. While you were sleeping, yeah. sorry, just didn't roll off the tongue. But she's so good in that movie. Because yeah. I was thinking, like they, you know, you need a lot of luck with movies like this. And we saw with Elizabeth Town where he just had the wrong leads. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that movie would have been to be good. Who's supposed to be the lead in that? It was. I, I it was somebody back out. Ashton Kutcher back out or something like that. Or he fired him. Okay, he fired Ashton Kutcher. He hired Orlando Bloom. I, th- I think in retrospect, maybe just keep Kutcher. But Zellweger is so good. He catches her at the perfect point of her perfect. career. Yeah. And I honestly think like if you look at the landscape of actresses in the mid 90s, the only other person who could have played Dorothy Boyd, I have the answer. Who? Who do you think it is? There's only one other I have, person. I have a good answer. She may it's, have been a tad too young. Who? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Too young. No, she would. She could have J-Lo. She was like, the way J-Lo. She could have done it. Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's insane. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, she could have. She This is a very 90s answer. Yeah. I think she might have been a little old for this at this point, but probably Helen Hunt. No. What about Elizabeth Shue? No. Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. Sandra Bullock would have killed. She would have killed Dorothy Boyd. She's amazing. I wonder if she has. I wonder if she was either was offered to her. Or, she just speed wrote around that time, though. Yeah, she had speed in '94, and she had while you're sleeping in '95, and this is '96. This would have been the natural Sandy Bullock movie. That's a good point. It's not much of yeah. a role for her, though. Like if she's Dorothy in Boy, I see. I disagree. I she's think Dorothy Boyd's a, like, a great role in Speed role. and a great role in While You're Sleeping. I feel like because did Zellweger do Bridget Jones after this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is why Dorothy Boyd's a great role, though. It's I think Dorothy Boyd's a, like one of the better roles. You know, you're not with me on that. I think she's. I think it's pretty good, but I don't. I don't think a movie she's star would have done Garden. That. Tom Cruise is hugging my Julia scene. Roberts wouldn't have done that role. She's got the in the kitchen. I'm telling my sister how much I love this guy. I love him, Laurel. I yeah. love him for the man he wants to be and the man he almost is. <laughs> Wow. I love it. <laughs> this is why that's why it's a great role. She has a lot of good speeches. She has like three great speeches. First class. Yeah. She's watching him. Oh. The problem with what did she say? The problem with life is I don't know. First class is that's the problem. That's not in the Bruce Springsteen song, so I don't remember it. It used to be a better lunch. Now it's a better place to be. <laughs> she gets to break up with that. him. Yeah. She gets to be proposed to. Yeah. She gets to like she, she runs the gamut of emotions. She really does. Every like emotional situation you could be in in a relationship, she covers in this movie. I just want to say they they they're running. Oh, that's another great scene. The wedding scene when Cuba getting Junior <laughs> singing Marvin Gaye. So good. <laughs> they're wa- somehow they're watching the video that night, which isn't even one of the five most ridiculous things that happened in the movie. <laughs> right. But they're watching. It cuts to Jerry Maguire, and he's got that deer in the headlights look on his face, and Cuba Gooding's like. Oh my God, he doesn't want to get married. I just want to point out everyone has that there. Every man who gets married has the there in the headlights look on his face. Oh, my wife did when we got married. Your wife did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember my wife. I was thinking, like very emotionally committed to that moment. And my wife and was, your like, wife was like, oh my yeah. God, there's no way out. Yeah. See, I think my wife thought I felt that way, but I was in the uh, Old North Church in Boston. It was like 100 degrees wearing a tux, and I was just trying not to keel over. <laughs> you got but, a great wife. I'm sure, I'm sure you were excited. Thanks. She had me at hello, Julie. She had Aww. you at hello. Okay, so these are like 
there's two really weird things related to, to Dorothy Boyd that couldn't be in the movie otherwise. Yeah. The divorce women's group. Super weird. We just yeah. did a, a really long breakdown of how there's no way <laughs> the divorce women's group is still meeting at 1.45 a.m. And we they're not either Cruz gets trashed. back at the end at 1.45 in the yeah. morning. They're definitely trashed. Yeah, but they don't act trashed in, the, in that scene. They should be drunk and passed out. And you, they have to have somebody like should have attacked Tom like Cruise. Yeah. Get out of here! Yeah. Like they, yeah he doesn't some, mean it. Yeah, don't yeah. take him back. So the divorce group Oh, you complete other. me? Okay, yeah, yeah okay. whatever. <laughs> complete this, Tom Cruise. <laughs> what about the male nanny who loves jazz? The manny. The manny. Yeah. Who gives like the weird uh, jazz monologue to yeah. Tom Cruise before they go that on the date. That guy's in a bunch of like, he's, he's in a couple of, those of John Cusack movies right around yeah, that time. He was yeah. in High Fidelity, yeah. right? Yeah. He's it seems one of those like guys. That doesn't, that like the jazz part doesn't really belong in the movie, but like, I don't know, it worked. How do you feel about Tom Cruise as a romantic uh, lead? Such he's, a loaded question. He's kind of like the Bruno Mars of rom-coms where Ooh. he's like really... Um, talks a lot about like relationships often in a lot of like romantic situations but is in no way threatening like at all right so like it's like there's there's rhetoric but there's no like feeling so of we were sexuality. trying to recast that about like what like who would have who could have played jerry Maguire? and obviously you don't have the same movie but who maybe Nobody. would have like a little bit more like going on in the romance who department. Who would have been the worst Jerry Maguire? Mark Wahlberg? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is Jerry Maguire. He was oh just like, God, get up, Tidwell! <laughs> yeah. Has Mark punched Rod Tidwell. Has he ever run run anywhere in a rush? Like, I don't think yeah, Mark yeah, Wahlberg... Yeah, he's a gambler. Mark like, Wahlberg runs. But is he? does he ever feel harried? I don't think so. Like, I don't think Mark Wahlberg could get in touch with that. I think Cruz gave two notes when he saw the script. He's like, Cameron, this is great. I love it. What if he was running through yeah, the airport? Yeah, what if he ran... <laughs> I feel like because if what he if gets it, there at two twenty, they're not they're not still. I'm meeting. seeing a dark airport, and I just think he's running as fast as possible, and I'll get in shape for that. I don't know what his other note would have been, but I think he definitely put that one. Well, in. underrated thing that Cruz does as an agent is his handshakes are really good. He really makes good eye contact. Good charisma. He does like he does like do a good like two hand handshake in with one, kind of like brings over his left hand. Yeah, he just he's smiling the whole time. Yeah, he's like really like a politician. Do you think Cruz should him. have been fired for the for the mission statement? Mm, yes. If I left that mission statement in everybody's desk at the ringer, do you think I would be fired? Uh, you would probably be like smoked out over like three weeks. I think I don't think it would have been instant. Yeah. But okay. you'd, you'd be made to feel uncomfortable until you left. That's probably true. I have to take my fish <laughs> yeah, with I, me. I I really regret the nine mission statements I wrote at ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't have kept sending Did those. They take you to like a weird restaurant. Statements. Yeah. And it was the person who fired you was just like, think about me. I've had to have this in my head the whole week. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe that's what I did wrong. Do you think the problem with Dorothy and Jerry's relationship is Tom Cruise, or that it's just not a believable relationship? There is a chemistry missing, but isn't that the point? Though? I think they address the chemistry issue. I think they're, I think they're okay like, this is it. crazy. It's a crazy time in our lives, and this is happening so fast. But now we're retconning this to be in love with each other because we're like learning from so so much from each other. But that being said, there is like a little like they have to those lines like you complete me and you have me at hello and all those scenes have to make up for so much in the lack of actual like sparks between them. Yeah. They what address have- it at the restaurant when yeah. the Tidwells are like making out and yeah. then Cruz is, they look at each other and Cruz like puts his arm on her, which I'm sure he's done in real life over and over again. When <laughs> Definitely. He's at, on dates with the, like, I Nicole find Kidman. his relationship with Kelly Preston is a lot more believable. Way more believable. Yeah. That's like a hot relationship. Kelly, I was like, I climbed El Capitan. Of her career. I can make this happen. <laughs> Kelly- she looks great in the kitchen. That's true. Yeah. 
<laughs> that a lot of chemistry there. That's true. She's done a sex scene with Cruz and she was married to Travolta. Yeah. Like they really brought in one of the experts. Well, it's a Scientology cabal. So. Oh, the cabal. Yeah. All three, like you know, all three of them. So how do you remember this movie 20 years later? Do you um, think it could have been a TV series? No, I don't. You wouldn't bring it back? As a TV show now? Yeah. Would it be like they're like firmly together and they have an agency or would it be no, picking up where it left off? some ideas and they were all not non non There are a lot of hot takes. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> the like, what if we did it? Rod Tidwell broke and dealing with the effects of concussions. What about this one? You know how it ends with Jonathan Lipnicki potentially being a really good yeah. Uh, yeah, pitcher? Yeah, we covered that. Okay. Well, what if he has just broken an agent's heart and now it's like about how the reverse Jerry kind of. Oh, okay. So Lipnicki is kind of oh, like, he's on, the Lipnick is on the phone. He's in. <laughs> he's like, I'm an MMA he's fighter. Right Have you yeah. seen him lately? Yeah. yeah. He's ripped. Yeah. Ripped. It's ridiculous. So ridiculous. sports movie or rom-com? I think rom-com ultimately. Sports movie. But like, I, here's my, here's my case. Not only. Can it be both? I think it can be both. Sure. I'm fine with it being both. Sure. I just think that the reason it gets pushed over to rom-com for me is because, um, like my favorite, Cuba Gooding Jr. moments all also have to do with Regina King. Oh, right. Like the Marcy stuff. Yeah, he's never like just Rod Tidwell. He's like Rod Tidwell, the family man. And like, she's so good in that movie. And even the like most emotional moments, like when he gets back up after the hard hit, like you're so happy because she's watching and it's so upsetting. Yeah. And just so happy for Marcy. Like that's like, that's essential. Also, what about when he counsels Jerry? And he's like, if you love her, you've got to tell her. I mean, come on. <laughs> These are all great points. I think it's a rom-com, but it's a rom-com between Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Cruise. I remember writing a column way back when about a spork flick, which is a combination of a sports movie and a chick flick, mm-hmm. back when we were allowed to use the word chick flick. Spork flick just combined them. This is to me, it's both. I think the, and I and I think it's a worthy entrant. So we've decided that Welcome. this is a Hall of Thanks. Famer. Welcome to the Hall. Chris Ryan, thank you. Thanks for having me. Julia Littman, you had me at hello. Thank you so much for having me. 